Part 2, Risk Communication and Zoonosis Prevention. In the next section, we'll discuss how risk communication principles can help when talking with clients about zoonotic disease prevention. So first, let's start with defining what risk communication is. Risk communication is a science-based approach for communicating in situations of high stress, high concern, or controversy. Risk communication principles are commonly used when communicating for disaster or disease outbreak situations. But many of these same principles apply to talking with clients about zoonotic diseases, which of course is a risk. The ultimate purpose or goal of risk communication is to inform individuals about a hazard and how to reduce or prevent exposure. This then enables those at risk to make informed decisions to protect themselves, their loved ones, their animals, and their livelihood. Subsequently, risk communication, when done effectively, can help to build trust and confidence in your expertise, encourage individuals to take action, decreases illness, injury, and death, and can also dispel or address rumors or misinformation. So let's look a bit closer at risk. Risk involves some biological, chemical, or physical hazard or situation, a pathogen, a toxin, a natural disaster. The possibility or probability that the hazard will affect a human, animal, or food. Is the disease common or rare? Does the hazard occur frequently or seasonally? Is the animal reservoir or source present? It also involves the intensity or impact of the hazard if exposure does occur. Hazards can have a wide range of impacts, including health risks such as illness or death, decreased production, or food safety issues, safety risks including injuries from animals, economic concerns, environmental risks such as vector-borne diseases, quality of life concerns, or legal concerns. As veterinarians, a large part of our job involves efforts to reduce or prevent risk, whether it's using appropriate animal restraint, maintaining a sterile surgical field, writing a biosecurity plan for foreign animal disease prevention, or counseling a client on ways to prevent zoonotic disease. So given this information, zoonotic disease exposures encompass risk, and as such, the use of a risk analysis approach may be applied. Risk analysis involves the assessment of the likelihood and consequences of adverse events. It includes four components, hazard identification, risk assessment, risk management, and risk communication, which is used throughout all components of the process. Hazard identification is just that, what zoonotic pathogens may be present. Where are exposure risks? This, of course, will vary with the species being reared, the production method being used, as well as husbandry and management practices currently in place. Risk assessment follows and considers the possibility or probability that this hazard or situation will affect humans, animals, or food products, considering elements we discussed on the previous slide. This information is then used to determine a management or prevention plan, Options are identified, and the best option is chosen based on the cost-benefit balance and cost-effectiveness. Communication with clients integrates throughout the entire process. Answer questions about the hazards to animal health, client health, and those working in animal environments. Also, discussions of economic impacts and any food safety issues are essential. Communicating this information helps clients make better decisions about risk and how to manage it. Let's learn more about using risk communication strategies to educate clients and empower them to make informed decisions. Ideally, risk communication is a two-way conversation, an interactive exchange of information between the sender and the receiver. It can start with you helping an individual understand the risks for zoonoses and take protective behaviors. 
But equally important is providing the individual or client the opportunity to provide feedback with you, the sender, listening in order to further address the concerns and needs of the individual facing the threat to their health, economic, and social well-being. It is also important to understand that while both people act on the same information, emotions, perceptions, and past experiences influence communication messages. Sometimes input from other sources such as friends, family, the community, the internet, and social media also create mental noise, interfering with the message or its reception. Even things such as financial issues, personal health, or family and employment issues can distract from hearing the message. Individuals also perceive risk differently. What risks are acceptable and tolerable varies between individuals. When addressing a risk like zoonotic diseases with clients, while it is important to deliver the facts, you must also understand your client's risk perception. Remember that this is affected by their emotions and external influences and work to achieve trust to getting your point across. This involves balancing fear and facts in our message. Another key point to keep in mind when communicating your message is that experts and the general public communicate in very different manners. Experts are trained to explain a situation and all possible aspects of an issue, as well as to be complete, accurate, and lead people slowly and stepwise to a logical conclusion. If this was depicted graphically, it would look like this triangle, with long explanations eventually leading to the point. However, people don't listen or hear in the same way. They tend to listen when their attention is grabbed quickly. Once interested, they will listen to the explanation and other details. Graphically, it's shown by this triangle. The point is first, at the top, then moves down to the additional information. This has become even more commonplace as a result of the growth of technology for communication. Listeners are inundated with multiple and oftentimes competing sources of information. A risk communication message must get to the point as fast as possible, then provide the supporting information, explanation, and details incrementally and in a decreasing order of relevance and importance to our audience. Despite your efforts, some clients may be resistant to the information you are providing and enacting change. They may feel the problem isn't that serious or that your recommendation won't work. Understanding your client's goals, priorities, expectations, as well as their values is a first step to building trust. Trust is further enhanced by expressing caring and empathy, providing facts and figures to support your message, and being credible. All of these feed into the level of trust, which is one of the most important factors for influencing or overcoming risk perceptions. So there are seven basic steps when communicating risk information. First, identify and understand your audience. Do your best to consider your client's cultures, values, emotions, and past experiences, as well as their perception of risk. Understand your client's goals and motivations, both immediate and long-term. Second, develop a dialogue with your client to determine their concerns and the best approach to sharing the message. Third, determine what your main or intended message will be. What do you want the client to know or to do? This is sometimes referred as your SOCO, or Single Overarching Communications Outcome. Remember back a few slides, always keep in mind the point. Fourth, address any factors influencing the risk perception in your audience. This will help you to refine your message that you're going to deliver. Fifth, create and gather tools to help you convey the message. This may include supplemental materials such as handouts, 
photographs, or diagrams. Later in this lesson, I will share with you a resource library of tools that you are welcome to use to convey your message. Next, you'll deliver your message. Typically, for individual clients, this will be face-to-face -face during an appointment, or perhaps over the phone. However, you could be communicating with your audience in other ways. For example, by writing educational posts visible to the public on social media or a newsletter. Another important aspect of delivery is your nonverbal communication. Body language, eye contact, verbal indicators such as enunciation and distractions can all provide a significant contribution to your message. And last, it is not enough to simply communicate the message. You need to also evaluate if the message was effective. Did your audience understand the message? Did they take the action you wanted? In a veterinary practice setting, this can be accomplished by asking questions of your clients to ensure they understand what you are telling them, or have follow-up visits to see if action has been taken, and if not, why. If not, listen to their concerns and adjust the message to better reach your audience and make a bigger impact. Communicating about animal health information can be difficult and create strong emotions. Keep these tips in mind when communicating with clients. Use everyday words and avoid or explain medical jargon or terminology. Keep your messages short and simple and use an active voice. Show pictures and diagrams to get your point across and make an analogies when you can to help with understanding. When educating clients about zoonoses, try giving them options. For example, categorize your recommendations according to what they must do, should do, and could do. For example, some must-dos might include following any regulations related to zoonotic diseases, such as brucellosis vaccination of animals or tuberculosis testing, contacting a veterinarian when animals are sick to determine disease and avoid outbreaks, and recognizing these incidents may require reporting to state or federal animal health authorities. The should-do list is a bit longer washing hands frequently, and especially after contact with animals, wearing protective clothing such as gloves and masks when working with sick animals, keeping any wounds covered and cleaned thoroughly after they occur, avoid eating and drinking in animal areas, and following food safety measures in the home to avoid foodborne illness, and of course seeking medical care when sick. Could-dos might include learning more about zoonotic diseases for animals they raise. What are the animal health impacts? What are the human health impacts? and possibly sharing this information or your advice you have given them with employees on the farm or other producers. In the next section, we will talk about zoonotic disease reporting for people and animals.